Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Be seated. Today is Joy Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent. We lit the oddly colored candle on the Advent wreath today, the rose-colored candle, the Joy candle. For with this Sunday, we have turned a corner Advent is now more than halfway over, and our remembrance of Christmas is close. And so the call rings out today for joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul wrote. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, the prophet Zephaniah proclaimed. And joy to the world will soon sing. And how appropriate then to have a baptism too, for a baptism is always a joyous occasion, seeing God and His promises in action. But the readings we heard today weren't all joy, or so it seems, for there doesn't seem to be much joy in the gospel we heard. St. John is in prison. His crime Speaking truth to power, calling a king to repentance, and pointing to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For that, John was imprisoned. For that, he would be beheaded. Maybe even before his disciples returned from asking Jesus their question. Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another, for things don't seem to be working out as they thought or hoped or planned. They thought. But to think there is no joy in the gospel today is to misread it. For there is great joy there. For the joy of the blind who could now see again. The joy of the lame who could walk and run. The joy of the lepers who were cleansed and could hug and kiss their loved ones again. The joy of those families who had their loved ones back from the dead. The joy of the poor who had the good news preached to them. Wherever Jesus went, he brought joy. He is fulfilling all the prophecies spoken of the Messiah. And that doesn't change just because John is in prison. And even if he's been there for some time. And this too. Is it possible that John himself is filled with joy? He sends his disciples to Jesus with a question, but is it his question? Or did he send his disciples to teach them? That's what good teachers do. They don't give you a straight answer. They point you to it. They lead you to it. They tell you where to find it. John's whole life was about pointing people to Jesus. So why stop now? As he said, now that Jesus has come, he must increase. And he, John, must decrease. And that was good. Jesus needs to be the one people remember, not John. 
Jesus needs to be the one people go to, not John. Jesus needs to be the one people follow, not John. So John's decreasing and fading away. That's a good thing. John was just the forerunner. It's kind of like at a wedding after the bride walks up the aisle. You don't need the runner or the rose petals anymore. Their job is done. They can now go away. So too, John. Consider this too. When the Apostle Paul wrote the words that we heard today, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He himself was in prison. His crime, the same as John's. Speaking truth to power and proclaiming Jesus as the promised Savior. But even in prison, he writes words of confidence, joy, and hope. And it wasn't the first time for him. Paul had been in prison before this. In fact, in the very same city he is now writing to, to the city of Philippi. He'd been thrown there with Silas. After all their clothes had been torn off, they'd been beaten silly, and then they were thrown into prison with their feet put in the stocks. And yet that night, we are told, Paul and Silas were singing hymns. And so when Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always, it's almost like he's reminding the Philippians of that time when he was in prison rejoicing and telling them that they too can rejoice no matter what is happening to them now, no matter what conflict or suffering, obstacle or opposition they are facing. The joy of the Lord is greater than all of that. Because we're always going to have those things. Conflict, suffering, obstacles, opposition. Sin will see to that. We try to minimize them, avoid them. But still they come. You know it. So the question is, what do you do when they do? Do you doubt God and his love? Or do you rejoice in his promises? Not his promise that you'll have an easy life. He makes no such promise. But that he'll be with you through it all. That even in prison, even in suffering, even in death, you won't be alone. You see, that's what Advent is really all about which this day of joy reminds us of, not just rejoicing, but rejoicing in the promises of God. That's the joy of Christmas. Not Christmas the holiday, but the first Christmas. The joy of Mary when she proclaimed the words of the Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit, what? rejoices in God, my Savior. For God was fulfilling His promise of a Savior, the world's Savior, Mary's Savior. Though it meant hardship for Mary, 
Still, she rejoiced. And the joy of that first Christmas for the shepherds when they got to see the baby Savior. And the joy of the angels, which reflected the joy of the Father at the human birth of his eternal Son. There may have been no room in the inn, but that couldn't stop the joy of that night. And that's the joy we have as God fulfills his promises to us now. The promise of forgiveness, the promise to be with us in our trials and troubles. The joy of baptism, even though it plants a rather large bullseye on our back for Satan's arrows. The joy of repentance. Now that sounds funny. How can repentance be joyful? But it is when it is done within God's promise of forgiveness. For as the Apostle John would write, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. No joy there. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's the joy. Forgiveness, cleansing, rightness, the monkey off your back, the skeleton out of your closet, no more hiding, no more backwards lives, everything put right again. Gifts of God. The promises of God fulfilled. That's the joy King Herod missed out on when he closed his ears to John's preaching and instead beheaded him. That's the joy Paul's jailer wanted when he heard him and Silas joyfully singing in prison. That's the joy John wanted his disciples to have when he sent them to Jesus. And that's the joy Jesus wants for you. And that he has for you, if you are a sinner. If you are broken. If you're downtrodden by this world and life. If you're struggling. If you're lonely or feel like you're in a kind of prison yourself. If that's you, then Jesus is here for you. To be with you through all that. For he laid in the manger to go to the cross. He was baptized a sinner so that you sinners be washed clean. He laid in a tomb to rise from it alive. And he ascended to come again. To advent again. To take you home where your joy will be full. And just as all his other promises were fulfilled, so will that one be too. And maybe soon. But until that day, blessed is the one, Jesus says, who is not offended by me. Blessed is that wonderful gift word. When God bestows on you all his gifts, all that you need. The blessed that comes Only to sinners. 
to the broken, to the downtrodden, to the struggling, to the lonely, to those locked up in sin, to those who need a Savior. He has come to bless you. And His blessing is far greater than anything that can be found in this world in life. For by worldly standards, Jesus said, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Which means Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, Martin Luther, Pope Francis. Sorry, John is greater than you and all of you put together. But you can be greater than John, no matter who you are. For the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That's a promise. Or in other words, to one whom Jesus comes, Jesus advents, the one that Jesus makes his child, greater than anything or anyone else in this world and life. And in baptism, Jesus is coming, adventing to you. In his word of forgiveness, Jesus is coming, adventing to you. In his body and blood, Jesus is coming, adventing to you, to make you his child. Great. To give you a place in heaven. To forgive your sins. To give you himself and all his joy. Advent joy, promises fulfilled joy. So I think maybe we need to coin a new term today. Young people today, when they grow up and begin taking on responsibility, are now said to be adulting. They're doing those things that adults do. They're being adults. So maybe today, for us, We can be adventing. When we have repentant joy, we're adventing. When we rejoice in the Lord always, we're adventing. When we rejoice in being a child of God, we're adventing. When we sing in the midst of sadness, when we're confident in the midst of suffering, when we forgive those who sin against us, we're adventing. We're being Advent Christians. Sinners to whom our Lord has come, Advented, and given us Himself. Adventing in hospitals and sick rooms, Adventing in prisons and friends in trouble, Adventing when things aren't working out as you thought or planned or hoped. Adventing. Knowing that you're not alone, you're not forsaken, you're not without hope. For your Savior has advented to you. And that makes all the difference in the world. Adventing. That's what Zephaniah did. That's what Paul did. That's what John did. And you too. What they are, you now are. What they did, you now do. For blessed are they, and blessed are you in Jesus.
In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.